I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited about our guest on today's podcast, the amazing Ursula Stevens, celebrity hairstylist and brand ambassador for Unilever. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. <laughs> so excited. I never, I never got interviewed by a, a doctor or you. Know, what do you consider yourself, a plastic surgeon? Yeah. Okay, I never got, I never did anything like this, so this is exciting. Well, here you are. <laughs> and the reason you're here is because this show is Beauty Bosses. So okay. we're talking to different industry leaders in fields related to beauty, fashion, wellness, okay. you know, everything related to health. Um, and kind of trying to find out a little bit of the story behind your brand. Okay. Um, because you're a legend. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, so you have this amazing name in the world of hairstyling because you've styled some really cool people. Yeah. Tell us about your celebrity roster of hair. Uh, my celebrity roster is, I'm actually so happy to um, be able to, 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 you know, tell my celebrity roster now because for a long time I really wanted to diversify a lot for a long time I worked with a lot of musicians and you know you know pop stars and rappers or whatever you, you know the case may be and I've really worked hard to kind of diversify so now I have a chance to work a lot more actresses so the whole thing's mixed up yeah. so I have a good mix of like you know actresses from like Jessica Williams Queen Latifah um, Gabrielle Union, Kerry Washington, and I still work with my music girls like Rita Ora, BB Rexa, you know. Um, so it's like a Normani, who's who. Yeah, yeah, so now I have a chance. I work with so many different girls in different areas of the industry that it feels really good. It feels good. So that's really awesome. You're basically at the top of your game right now, but in this podcast, I want to rewind to before you, you know, kind of made your name in this field. Okay. Um, can you start out by telling us when you first decided that you had your calling in the world of hair? I really, you know, can't um, recall that first calling. I just know for sure that um, there were so many little things on my way up that if I had not said yes, that it would have been different. So I feel like it's it's, it's like a... A package of things you know like I'm, my beauty school was actually my high school so I went to a vocational high school in Brooklyn so that was like the start of everything you know me even taking that chance to go to that school which high school was it, it? was called Sarah J Hill in, and, um, in Brooklyn and so when you were in high school in Brooklyn it was a vocational school did you start taking classes related to hair and beauty yeah because the school was a vocational school so mm -hmm. it taught my, my trade was cosmetology okay so I, I was le like learning accounting and you know Math, you know, all these other different subjects. I was actually learning the art of cosmetology and really learning theory and hands-on. So, like in my ninth grade year, I had one one period of um, cosmetology, which was only theory. So we really learned all the book stuff, everything. And then as we went into like the sophomore year, we had two two periods back to back. So one period would be hands-on, where we actually practice and whatever we learned, and the second period would be only theory. So by the time you got to your junior and senior year, you have four periods back to back. So two of them back to back would be hands-on, and then the other two is theory. So when you graduated high school, were you kind of like ready to be a hairstylist? Oh, for sure. I actually, I had my license before I had my diploma. 
Get out of yeah. town. And for the whole time I was in high school, I worked after school and on the weekends at salons. So I assisted, like, you know, I, my first job I assisted, I couldn't even wash hair. I was only allowed to mix the relaxers and mix chemicals and, like, clean up behind the other stylists. And then after that, I kind of decided to get a chair. Like, you know, I was, you know, New York City, you, they, they'll give you a chance. So I think maybe, like, in my junior year, I decided to, you know, get my own chair. And I worked with one of my girlfriends. She already, like, worked at a salon, so she pulled me in. I worked there, and then I branched off and, like, worked downtown Brooklyn on my own. So I've always worked in a salon, even when I wasn't a stylist, you know? And I've come across a lot of people that are interested in certain fields or whatever they want, and they're not drowning themselves in it, you know? And I always feel like if you want to be a stylist or whoever you want to be, don't work in a fast food store, you know? If you want if you want to be a hairstylist, push a broom at someone's salon instead yeah. of pushing a broom. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, just because to live just in you it. have to live in it. You yeah. have to. You have to. So you have to. when you graduated, what was your first job? So when I graduated, I, like I said, I always I always worked. So I always worked at at the um, salon after school and on, and on the weekend. So when I graduated high school, I enrolled in Brooklyn College, and I still worked at the salon that I worked at. I just worked more hours and more days. Okay. And then after a while, you know, I got an opportunity to go on tour, and I took the opportunity. Left school in my in my junior my sophomore year, mid semester. I told my mom I'm leaving. I can't. I got an opportunity to go on tour, and I can't say no. So that's like one of those breaks for me. You know, I feel like it's not one big break. It it, it was oh shit, like a like a you know a soft little a lead up, little a break. bunch of little breaks that led up to it. And that if I if I didn't say yes to that tour, I don't know where I'd be today. That's but I so took the chance. Yeah. You know, I was afraid, but I was really brave, and I and I decided to leave school and went on tour and never looked back. What made you take the leap? Because a lot of people would say you had a sure thing, you had a safe gig, a nice setup, regular work, and you were leaving school and leaving all your regular stuff to go on tour. Well, I never felt safe because I was never an academic person. So every day going to school was un- an unsafe walk. Unsafe, it was okay. a dangerous walk because I was not doing well. I it wasn't it wasn't my environment. And I have a brother, and he's super opposite to me. Like he's an accountant, like master his looks like this you know and we're super opposite so I was kind of trying to figure out if it was in me but it wasn't and I think that I just said you know I gotta let it go I, I have to take this chance and I felt I felt like this was a chance to, that was gonna let me see if I really could do this hair thing full time so and I had who, to take a chance who was your first tour with who, do you remember who that yeah, was yeah my first tour was with Candy at the time she was with a group called Escape now present day she's a housewife of Atlanta so she decided to leave Escape at the time and do her solo project. And somebody from the record label was either, I think at the time, they were either a client at the salon of mine and they was like, I'm going to pull you in. And then I started working with her and that's who I went on tour with. Amazing. Yeah. Are you guys still in touch? Not really, but if I see her, we always say hi. How you doing? You know what I mean? It was such a long time ago. Every once in a while I see her and I'm like, I wonder if she really remembered me. <laughs> but I've run into her a couple times and yeah, we say hi and you know, it's all good. Yeah. So after that first gig um, and that first tour you went on, did you just start getting more and more tours and more and more special clients and celebrity clients? No. Okay. I thought I thought I was. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing this now. <laughs> I have a ride. I'm a ride. And then I went on tour. And I, like I said, it was my, I was working at the salon on you know after school on the weekend. So when I left school, obviously I couldn't go back. So when I came from tour, I kind of you know went to the salon and everything looked so weird to me. I spent six weeks not I had always been in the salon from what thirteen, always in the salon after school on the weekends, and I came back after six weeks and it was like so like 
foreign. A lot of my clients had disappeared because I was gone for six weeks. You know, if you lost your if you lost your colorist, you'd be like, for six weeks, you'd be going crazy, right? Yeah, right. So I lost a lot of clients. And when I came back, that was one of the biggest challenges because now I dropped out of school. My mother's like, all right, let me see what you're going to do. So now I have to prove to my mother that I can do this, you know, without being in school. I could really make this a career. I've never really seen anybody do it, make it a career. I mean, I've seen status growing up around me, like, you know, older women who did my hair, my mom's hair. But I, I didn't know if that was it, you know. So for me, that the challenge was to really try to figure out how to solidify this again and how to get my clients back in a chair and how to get more work because that work wasn't coming in like that. And, you know, this industry is very fickle. You know, you, you might do a celebrity today and, and maybe not for another month, you know. So I think my challenge was to figure out how I could rebuild my clientele at the salon while figuring out how to get that that thing over there, that freelance thing to be full time. And you know? did you have an inkling at that time that being in the world of celebrity and public figures was going to be your entree into having free regular freelance gigs i think i had an idea i did have an idea i wasn't too sure because like i said it was still new for me but i definitely had an idea that if i could just get a few more and get these gigs kind of rolling then i could make it work so that was my that was my main goal when i came back to really to really live off of it for as a living because i couldn't it was no turning back at that point so now you have Ursula Stevens, the salon. Yeah. Um, how did you go from working in someone else's salon and having once in a while celebrity gigs to developing a strong enough roster to create your own, you know, major yeah, situation? Yeah, I, I don't know. Just kind of, <laughs> just, just kind of happened. happened. Well, what happened is, you know, after I worked at the salon, I, did, I worked at a few salons before I actually did freelance full time. But the last salon I worked at, I was there for about nine years. And then the whole option to do celebrities started to, you know, kind of interfere with the clientele. And it could be last minute or, you, like I said, I was gone for six weeks. You just never know. And I think when I saw how that was, I felt like, okay, since I put so much time into the salon, because I was getting the jobs, but because I couldn't give that 100% attention to it, you know, it's kind of like that... It's about energy. You know, if you put something out, you'll get something great. And because I was, I was immensely, I wanted to work with the celebrity and I wanted it, but because I was so trained and knew the salon and knew how the money worked and things like that, I was kind of spoiled. So I, I started to get afraid, you know, when I get kept getting pulled away from the salon, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't making that cash money, had to wait on the check from the big job. So it was like, you know, in limbo, like, do I really want to do this? What's going to happen? And then one day I just said to myself, you know what, you put... At that point, yeah, I had already put nine years into the salon. Let me put my 100% into freelance so I could get the result. So after I did that for a very long time, it started to work. And then I just transitioned out the salon. So then I'm at, now I'm doing freelance, right? So now I'm there. I'm doing it. It's all fun. Yes. And then now I'm looking around like, it must be something else. It must be something else. And then I'm like traveling like crazy, but then I'm off for a few days. And then I have random people like trying to that I meet on my journey, like, do you do hair? Can you do my hair? And I, and I want to, but now I don't have a space. So I'm like, well, maybe it's time to grow up. Maybe I should I should think about getting a salon space. Because at this point, I'm already, I've already done freelance for, like, what, eight years consistently. Like, no salon, nothing at all, period. I'm only doing, doing freelance. And at that point, it was when I was doing Rihanna most of the time. 
So her schedule was so tight that it was no room to do anyone else, you know? So when I really thought about it, I said, you know what, maybe it's time to grow up. And when I started to look at some of my mentors or people who I, I think are amazing in this industry who have really took it to the next level, you know, the, the Orbeys or, you know, the Ted Gibson, you know, Paul, Paul Mitchell, all these amazing people, they have businesses, you know, they have this. Yeah, they're not just freelance. They're not just freelance. You have to have something. I was making a a whole lot of money, you know, but I didn't have anything, you know? So that's when I said, you know what, let me me think about doing a salon space. It could be great. I could could have some girls, you know, that are amazing. I could train them. And And are they trained in your methods? Yes, some of them are trained who who are not that great when they come. I help them out with some some things. They have some that come that I already know. So it's it's one of those things that's just, you know, individual. I just figure it out. That's awesome. I read um, an article in which you were interviewed and you you had a quote that I really liked, which um, you said that you don't like the expression, you're young, you have time. That for you, you wanted to just like kill it. it I hate it. I hate it. It's like you say that for how long? Like, you know... Just yeah, do it. Yeah, there's never a good time. There's for never something, a good time. Right? It's never a good time, and I feel like older people tell young people that all the time. They tell it. They tell all you. you older people tell somebody that's forty they have time. You don't have time. <laughs> you don't listen to me, people. You do not have time. If you could do it in your twenties, do it. And when and the thing about life, I wish you could just do it twice. You know what I mean? Like because you learn so much, right? Yeah. And for me, I feel like if I could have owned a house at 20 I would have done it but everybody made me feel like I was too young oh no you're not ready for a house but if you could get those things done early you can rest at 40 exactly and you also maybe, or maybe you can reinvent yourself you can you reinvent can yourself yes. to your next project absolutely and I really feel like you don't have time do it while you while you have the energy and while you feel great do it it's better to make those mistakes at a younger age than at an older age yeah. So just do it. And I, and I feel like I, I really want to change that mindset. Like, young people don't have time. I love that. Just so get it done. So all the young people listening to this, this is, like, my favorite advice yes. that I've read that you've said. Yeah. Which is that, you know, the time is now. You never have. Yeah. Your life is not handed to you yeah. on a silver platter. It's never a no. perfect time. And, you know, shout out to all those people that find themselves at 40 and are, are, have the energy to, to build a new career. But... I ain't trying to do that. <laughs> Shout out to them because that's 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 another energy and that's a great energy. But that's a lot of work, and typically a a success story takes about ten years. You know what I mean? So just do it in your twenties. Yeah, you know what's funny? I just did a, a podcast interview where I said every overnight success is ten years in the making. That's and it. It does take. It a takes ten to years. It, it really does. It takes ten years. You better years. start when you're twenty. You so better you start. When you're you better 30. start because it takes a long time. Yeah. Really so does. you mentioned um, the time when you were really busy styling Rihanna all the time. Mm-hmm. And what I was curious about is for some of these super A-list celebrities, are they requiring styling services like every time they leave the house? Or is that is it that level of commitment? Well, or is it more like they just have so many special events that you're always on call? Well, that's the thing. It's all individual. You know, a lot of times we are tricked by the media we think that we see Rihanna every day or we think we see whoever Maya, Mariah Carey every day because we on blogs and magazines, but we don't just see... just slow release yeah, their photos. Yeah, we don't, we don't see them every day. So, you know, that's the first thing I want to let people know. Like, it's it's all a myth. Don't compare yourself to a celebrity. Like, this takes, this takes three hours to get them ready for a red carpet or whatever you see them. And you don't see them every day. Yeah. Now, to answer your question about, you know, whether or not 
a client wants you every day. Some clients are like that. You have some clients that are really about their beauty and their hair, and they, and they want a stylist on call. Maybe they, they their, their lifestyle is to that level where they have to look great every time they step out. But typically, no. When you work with a celebrity, you work with them for their project. You have a client, she's an actress, and she has a big movie coming out. You probably won't see her until until she's doing press for it, you know, for the red carpets, for the premieres, for the after parties, those things, you know, you and whatever whatever else press is surrounding that project. Now, if you have a relationship with that with that you know that person or that celebrity, then she may say, "Listen, I'm, I just need my hair color. Can you come over?" You know, that's what we are. We're hairstylists at the end of the day, but we're just to that level where we can we service those people. You know what I mean? It's like. Of course you would like to get a blowout every day, wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Like, who wouldn't yeah, want to yeah, get up and get their hair blown out every day? Like, that's amazing. But it's not part of your lifestyle. Yeah. But some some celebrities, that's part of their lifestyle. So, you know, it just depends. Yeah. Um, are there particular iconic hairstyles that you feel like you're most proud of? Because I can think of a few looks that you're responsible for that I've just been like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I think I love the the whole, you know, the whole Rihanna story that we did, like, from start to finish. I, I just love the evolution of where we came from and where we ended. Like, it was amazing. I, so I just love that whole body of work because there's, there's an amazing story behind every hairstyle. Yeah. I'm going to write. I'm going I'm to write a book one day and, and tell the amazing stories behind I like that because, you know, there are <laughs> yeah. secrets hidden in your hair. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that whole that whole era was amazing. When I think of some amazing things I've done with Laverne Cox, which is so amazing. Like, we've done a, stuff for like, Golden Globes and a lot of award shows. Taking risk. You know, I like that with clients because people are afraid. They're just like you and they're just like me. The only difference is the whole world is judging them. You change your hair, you have to only worry about your husband and your best friend saying, what's that? You know what I mean? You're a small circle. But then you do a celebrity and the whole world is picking apart everything and that I'm, they do. I'm always amazed at how hypercritical people are yes. of celebrities. And it's yes. so cruel. There's and it's like, very cruel I mean, because they're just like us. They just reached that highest platform to represent whatever they're doing. But they're just like us. So imagine the pressure you have to. You just got your hair color. You have to go in the Everyone in the world has to tell you whether they like it or not. Or, you know? or you just got your Botox and you have right. a little bruise on your forehead exactly. and the media will not let you right. Live, right? It's like, so, not, it's, you know, it's crazy. So I love those, you know, risk taking moments that I've done with Laverne. Yeah, that's I how, liked that. that I liked those um, double braids you did for Iggy Azalea. I feel oh, like that was a Yes, a that really was a one. risk. That yeah. was nice. I love that. And that's the funny thing about like when it comes to like hair and fashion and hair and fashion and culture. Like it's that whole thing. And me and my friend were talking about the other day on set. We were like, you know, they were making this big thing about I think Kendall has worn like an afro or something like that. And we were like, first of all, it's not an afro, but it's it's high fashion. And we're like, there has to be an exception when it comes to fashion. You know what I mean? Because it's fashion is like art. It's for everyone. Yeah. You know. So and it's I can not, put an yeah. afro on a black uh, on a white woman and don't care. And I don't care. I think it's uh, it's fashion to me. You know, I'm 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 trying to interpret some type of message, but it shouldn't be race. You know, it's it's just fashion and it's art. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic that I wanted to ask you more about because you often see this intersection between politics and hair, um, and stuff like this, like you know, Kendall mm-hmm. getting a lot of heat for yeah. wearing an afro, or um, people saying like that there's cultural appropriation yeah. of different hairstyles. So, what's your take on all of that? I think it is definitely. Uh, each situation has to have its own energy, and and I feel like if the most recent, which is Kendall, I don't think that it's it's there's no appropriation to me. I just see fashion, mm-hmm. and I have no problem with any other culture 
you know, loving what my culture does or hair-wise or fashion-wise. I think where the, where the problem lies is when they don't acknowledge it. Like, you just come up with something and it's like, oh, this is amazing. And it's like, no, it's been done for 45 years from this African tribe, from the African tribe. And there's a story behind it. So I think what is missing is that respect of just saying where it's from. It's no big deal. Yeah, like you can wear cornrows if you want, but just know that you didn't think of it today and now it's your turn. You know what I mean? Like it came from somewhere. So I think that's where it is. We just want the respect and the acknowledgement. But I love to see people wearing things of different cultures. We do it all the time. You know what I mean? Like, so I think... Yeah, it would be so limiting if everyone were were, exclusively allowed to wear their... You know, native yeah. culture is fashion. Or so boring. Native, right, like, exactly. I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. So I just think it's, it's a matter of just paying homage and giving respect to the culture that you took it from. Have you ever seen a hair moment where you've been offended by it? I can't think of any. Yeah. Offended, no. I think I, I do get offended in just on a general that if you decide to wear something of my culture, right, I just want you to get it done properly. You know what I mean? If you're going to mimic it, make sure it looks great. I've seen girls that, you know, some girls from other races try to wear braids. It's like, girl, that's not how it goes. No. Yeah. That's like, not how it at least, like, represent us Right. Well. At least <laughs> represent us well if you're going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm sure if a, if a, if a, 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 a really, you know, um, religious Jewish person saw me with a, what is it? It's called a yarmulke. Yeah. Right? The small yeah, hat. Yeah. If they saw me just wearing it any kind of way, they would feel disrespected. Yeah, they would feel it, disrespected. It has a meaning and it has a place. Right, you know, you have to understand. Yeah, it. so you know, we have to just consider that to yeah. respect cultures and, and other people's beliefs, and you know. Um, there's been a lot of stuff in the media. I was reading some of um, Hannah Brothman's stuff, mm-hmm. um, where she did this whole exploration of different kinds of hair and texture, okay. and um, you know, at certain moments, deciding to have straight relaxed hair Mm. and other moments deciding to have more textured um tighter curls Mm. what are your what are your thoughts on um the the best way to take care of your hair so that you're that you're just from a like a a beauty maintenance standpoint so that you're able to go from one um style to the other without causing damage or breakage or trauma i think the it's and it's the same answer across the board whether you have coarse hair, straight hair, wavy hair, curly hair. It's about keeping your hair moisturized. Um, See, here's a, here's a fiber that once it's, it gets dry, it does this, snaps. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep the elasticity and the pliableness to it. It should always be bouncing. So the only thing the hair needs is moisturization. And what takes away moisturization are hot tools, blow drying, products that have a lot of alcohol in it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. all those things are drying to the hair so as much as you do those things you have to always infuse moisture deep conditioning everyday cream moisturizing and using products that actually penetrate you have some products that sit on the hair and give great shine but they're not penetrating the shaft to really moisturize from the inside so the answers across the board moisturize whether you have like i said straight hair you find the right moisturizer for your hair type and texture but it still has to be a moisture because once the hair gets dry, it just breaks. So you want to keep it moisturized and enough elasticity. Are there certain products, like I know when I was growing up, there was this moment about um, lye-based relaxers mm-hmm. and um, certain like toxic or, yeah. or not, not super healthy chemicals um, that people were 
on a population level, yeah. putting all over their heads and not even really realizing that it was doing damage? Right. Are there certain things that are on a, a do not do list for you? For me, do not relax your hair yourself. Yeah. Do not yeah. color your hair yourself. That's it. Really? Even do, like the, the drugstore box, just no, stay away. Okay, I'm no, guilty, it's I'm just, guilty it, of that. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> you know, because what happens is it, it seems so easy because there's directions on the box, right? You know, you part it for, it's fine. But you're kind of playing with fire, you right? You are playing with fire because it's a chemical. And I really feel like if you want to, if you ask me to top things, top things that you should not do on your, do on your own is any chemical. Whether or not you have directions or not, and it makes it seem easy, it's not because it is a professional thing to do. Exactly. And what happens, what happens during these processes is overlapping. And it's pretty much impossible for you not to overlap your hair when you are doing it on your own. There are professionals that do it, that apply relaxers and colors, and are still overlapping. So there's no way you on your own can relax or dye the back of your head properly without causing some type of overlapping. Yeah. So now overlapping is when you reapply a chemical where it is not needed. Right? So a place that a place right. on the hair shaft that's already been relaxed right. and treated and now you're re-relaxing right. it or you're recoloring right. it and then you're damaging so it. So that coarse, curly, kinky hair is tightly curled, right? Yeah. Our relaxer straightens it out and relaxes it, right? Yeah. So now once you do the initial one and it's straightened out, what happens is new growth, just like with color. Like if you see somebody have blonde hair and you see black roots, that's the black is a new growth. So when you see coarse hair and it's really straight and the root is kinky, that's your new growth. When it's time to reapply the relaxer, it should only go at the root. Mm-hmm. You don't need to right, and you the should whole thing. you should have enough to paint where you don't overlap. So you have girls that can't wait because they just it's so kinky. Ah, ah, they have to relax it. So you're relaxing this much. So now you have this much kink and this much straight, you're going to overlap. Yeah, so you have to be a little patient. I think that that's a really important point because this sounds crazy, but I've even had patients who have bought chemical peels on the internet, like on Amazon, and they come in. I've seen patients with real second and third degree burns on their face. And, you know, now that you're saying this, it makes perfect sense, right? Like there are people who spend their lives dedicated to doing something related to beauty in a safe way. Yes. So why on (laughs) earth would you take it into your own hands? And like, you're really, every time it goes okay and it's not a catastrophe, Mm -hmm. it's kind of... A, a lucky win. Exactly. And you're yep. <laughs> So Yeah, and that's what and what happens with especially with girls who have, you know, naturally, you know, coarse hair, kinky hair and are relaxing, what they don't realize is so if you have this much hair that's this long and it's overlapped, your break I'm trying to, I'm trying to break it down where you can understand how breakage is because people think, oh, it didn't break off today. I relaxed it, I'm di- I did good. So now next month, now they're relaxing because they think they can relax it but on it's here. Like but it's it's adding. So time. that's why that breakage for a, for a lot of brown girls is so long term mm-hmm. because it's already been about three months of mm-hmm. this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now the hair has reached its straight point where it's so straight that it's so dry that it can only snap off. So that's how it's a longer process for a brown girl because it's a different type of chemical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you if now when you think about you know chemical um hair color, you know breakage from hair color, that's a little different because most likely let's you let's just take out relaxers from it and just think of someone who has naturally straight hair. This person, the only chemical that's in their hair is really 
you know, the relaxer. So they're not fighting that much. So their breakage might not be as severe. You're still going to get, you know, bad ends and breakage. But a relax is a little different because you don't see it as, as quickly. It's one of those long-term things that yeah. will end up happening after three months. That's why you see girls, it's like three months later, like, oh, my God, oh, my hair is falling out. Because it's now falling out because it got so dry. It finally got that dry. What are your three best hair tips? Like, just for people of all ethnic backgrounds and all textures or whatever, just your three general best hair tips. Take a break. From whatever you do style and wise, take a break sometime. Okay. If you're blowing out every week or whatever, just 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 go just don't. Okay. Because the more manipulation that you do on the hair, the more chances it causes to break. Hair is a very delicate fiber. It's not as strong as we think. So sometimes it's just good to just go cold turkey and just don't do anything. Summertime is the best time. You know? Always switch up. If you were that girl that always blows up, you have naturally curly hair, sometimes just decide, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a summer look where it's no heat free. That's a great way. Second tip, leave all chemical services to a professional. But also build that relationship with your stylist where you can actually get really good products that she may have because at the end of the day, you spend more time with your stylist than she does, right? Mm -hmm. So you go once every two weeks and those next, those 12 days, you, you have your hair. So I think it's great to always get great products that mimic what your stylist does. Have her recommend. Maybe she can, whatever shampoo she used there, you can get one. You know what I mean? So it's good to kind of have the same type of tools or, or products that your client, that your stylist is using. Um, the third one, I'm going to always say it. Moisturize, moisturize, moisturize. You just have to. You have to love your hair. Yeah, that's, that's really it. good. That's like all, the only thing that makes hair grow is love. Because <laughs> like growth, plants. Yeah, it's like plants. <laughs> hair grows from within. It's always going to grow. It's always going to come out, right? But it's what we do to it to keep it around. Yeah. You know, so you have to moisturize. You have to love it. You have to baby your hair. We have to go back to those times where, like, what are you doing tonight? Washing my hair. You know how, like, you don't go out because I feel like girls now is like, they just keep moving, they just throwing wigs on and just keep it moving. But we have to really incorporate self care for our hair. I like that. And, and also just for your life. Maybe yeah. we should all have a night we in should. per week. I'm, I'm going like, to start doing it on Sundays. Every Sunday I'm going to start doing um, like my whole self care for my face. I'm going to add my hair to I it. Know. I know. I'm going to hook you up yeah. with some skincare yeah. products. Let's go. And then. She woke up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then it's going to be self-care yeah. Sunday. Yes, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like just a little reprieve from everything is good for hair. Okay, yeah. I have a few more questions for okay. you. This is because this is so fascinating. I have oh. always looked up to you because... Really? Yeah, because so much of the hair industry, interestingly, has especially the celebrity hairstyle mm. industry, has been um, dominated by male stylists. And I have always found that fascinating because... While some of them have great hair, I interviewed Bryce Scarlett on this podcast earlier, mm -hmm. and he has like this awesome mane of beautiful blonde hair. Mm -hmm. um, but while some of them have great hair, they're usually styling women clients, yeah. and they usually have short hair or sometimes no hair. Mm -hmm. And I always think to myself, like, why aren't there more women in this industry? So what do you think about that? I, I think that you made a really good observation, and it's it's something that me and one of my peers always talk about. Like we're kind of like the last of our breed. We're black, we're women, and we're straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's hardly any. I don't know. We don't know what it, what's happening. I don't. I know. It's it's the women really like male hairstylists. I don't know what that is about. You know, 
I personally, I don't have a problem with a male hairstylist, but I do prefer a woman, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because thing. women prefer a woman gynecologist. Yeah. But why do they, yeah. I don't know. I, I, really, I wish I had an answer for you. I wish I had this amazing, prolific answer, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I do mean, know that you're right. It's, it's, it's rare. And to be fair, I mean... I would choose a hairstylist and or really any professional based on how good they are, not their gender. Right. But you're obviously excellent and widely respected in your field, and I just think that it's an interesting point to note that there's this huge yeah. discrepancy, particularly given that mm-hmm. most of the people who are getting their hair done all the time are yeah. female. Well, we had this weird theory, which I don't know if it, <laughs> it's so funny. No, I want to hear like, it. <laughs> we just said men are always available. We have, we get out, we get out, you know, menstruation, we have, you know, headache, like, it, it, there might be always something why we can't come to work, but a male hairstylist, it's rare that he can't come to work. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, he's always going to be available. Yeah, but And I the mean, industry is so demanding, some of these girls, yeah. they really want all the attention. So, they okay. choose a man, because the man is always going to be around, and a man is always going to give a woman a different type of attention than, you know... Than a female would. You know what I mean? They just have this different, different thing about them. Yeah, you know, so it could be those things. Yeah, well, I, I like it. I think it's important yeah. like, what you're doing. And, Thank you. um, and I think that it would be a big loss if we didn't see an increase in more women in this industry. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the next thing I want to talk to you about is beauty standards. Do you feel like they have broadened and changed? Because just from my standpoint, although pop culture and media beauty standards are still relatively narrow. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up in the 80s um, and all of the beauty icons that are considered the most beautiful women in the world today would would have never been on the cover of a magazine back then. And it's kind of, to Mm. me, um, to me I've noticed a little bit more of a broadening of the concept of what is beautiful. But I'm curious since you're sort of on the ground and backstage and doing all the stuff, what your take on that is. On on which part of it that now that it's like, broadened? It and has it broadened or oh, has it, it not? It, it, and I feel like it, it definitely is broadened. Like, it's clear for everyone to see that it's broadened. Do it's, you feel like it's still limited? No, it's not limited. And I think it, that's kind of weird to me because I, I came from the era of a, a, some type of limit. So I feel like now it's just for everyone, which is still amazing, but you kind of still want, you know, I, I kind of missed when there was no reality shows and things, you know, when you just kind of try, try to figure out something, you know, and just, well, maybe she did, or maybe, you know, you just, I just like that, like that part of that era, the secrecy, the not knowing. And now everything's on Instagram. Everything's on so, Instagram. So there's but no secret. I am happy that it has brought in. Yeah. You know, you, now you see girls that really have spaces in their teeth, you know, freckles on their faces. And I, and I think that's what beauty is. I always think whatever looks different is beautiful to me. You know, I don't like when everyone looks the same. I like that quirky little odd thing, you know. Yeah. So, yes, it has broadened. And I think it's a great thing because the world is different now. Mm-hmm. You know, the world is so different now. It has to, it, that has to change with the world. You know, it's no longer just man or woman anymore. We have trans now. So every, we have to make room for everyone. You just have to. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. You have to. Yeah. And live and let live, right? Yeah. It's like, like I said, it's, it's no longer man or woman. I was trans. Then even with hair textures, I was talking about that earlier. It's no longer just black hair, white hair. Races are mixing all over the world. Mm-hmm. New textures are developing now. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? It's not just, you know? So yeah. it's like we have, the world has to move with the world. Mm-hmm. We have to move with everyone. What do you think about the whole, like, political debate about um, black hair and, like, hair texture? And, you know, I've heard people argue that, um, you know, that if you have textured or kinky hair, you should never change it, and that that's not being true to yourself. And um, I've also heard the opposite, that, you know, you need to do that for high fashion. What do you think? I think it's all opinions. Everybody has one. I think, you know... When the whole natural hair movement started, you know, a lot of natural girls were very, you know, adamant about it. It became very aggressive. You know, they felt like if you were natural, you shouldn't have to, you know, curl this and curl that. No. I think beauty is individual. That's it. And you could be natural and you you, you, you feel like straight hair today. Why not? That's how you look. You want to look in the mirror and feel great about yourself. You do what makes you feel great. And that's just how I feel about it. Beauty is individual. That's I, it. That's, you know, it's interesting because from my perspective as a plastic surgeon, I'm having similar types of conversations and ideas. Mm-hmm. And there's this gut reaction in the media that, you know, if you get plastic surgery, it means you're an airhead and a plastic surgery junkie and you're obsessed and superficial. But I think about it in very much the same way, which is that if you're not into it, definitely don't be into it. But if it's going to make you feel better to have a smoother forehead or have bigger lips yeah. or whatever, then and you can do that safely in a reasonable manner, then do it. Exactly. But That's if, how I feel about it. Yeah. Where it's just kind it's, of like, you know, maybe the correct answer is to stop legislating what everyone should supposed should should be exactly. doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, like why why not? Like it's just like I look in the mirror every like 300 times a day and I'm not, and I tell people all the time like we, I spoke about this before. I'm not I'm unapologetic because I'm in the beauty business. I love the mirror. It's part of, it's a tool. <laughs> That's it's my good. tool. I need That's the right. mirror. So my well, point in saying it is like, we shouldn't be, have to be apologetic about things that we like. Yeah. Or we shouldn't have to apologize about changing our mind. I may want to be black hair today and next summer I may want to try being a blonde. Yeah. That's it. And Beauty's it doesn't mean individual. that you don't love yourself. No, it, it means I actually means- do love myself, you know, because yeah. I'm taking the time to enhance my beauty. This is the way I love myself. And I feel like people, we have to stop judging everyone's opinion and everyone's likes. And it's individual. Yeah. Do your thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, amazing. I want to end by asking you to give some advice to young people who might be listening to this podcast okay. about how to make it. Like, let's say you've got a great idea and um, you want to you wanna start a business. Um, you want to start thinking about marketing. You want to start thinking about earning your first dollar of profit. Do you have, like, a couple of concrete pieces of advice? Visualize. You have to learn to visualize yourself in certain positions. Even before I was who I was, I always walked like it. I act like it because I just knew that it was in me, you know? So it, visualizing is a very, very important very important thing. You have to see yourself there. You have to see yourself there. I think um, another thing is don't let the dollar signs be a part of the motivation. Like, I never got into doing hair because I knew I was going to make all this money. I never got it. I never did this person because I just knew. I always, you always, it's always the same reasoning because I just want to be great. Mm-hmm. You know? I want the world to see my work and I want the person that I work with to feel great. And yes, if I make a hump, uh, you know, a bunch of money, then that's amazing. But I think when you have a passion, try not to let the dollars get involved because if that is going to be a part of it, you're not going to do it. Because I had a lot of days where I didn't have money. 
Yeah, and a lot of days waiting on checks. Right you still got to do it. You still got to stick with it because those are the, all the little tests that you're going to get. Like, let's see what she's going to do with these $2 here. Is she going to decide to run backwards and be afraid to do it? So just do it. And if you're afraid, that's the best time to jump. I like it. That's it. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so thank fun. And um, I hope that you enjoyed it. We I did. certainly enjoyed having you. Thank you.